once I start recording. Okay, did you get the message? Yeah, I think we're live. All right, I think we are live. Uh, so everybody, welcome to Immigration and Travel. My name is Sammy Ria, and I am your host. I'm very excited because this is my first podcast episode, and uh, I have the pleasure and privilege to do with my uh, longtime friend, Chris Rodis, who is currently in London. Uh, am I Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Um, actually, uh, if I pop my head out, my, my office is right across from um, Westminster Abbey, so it could be more central. Nice, nice. So just to kind of uh, explain to people what this podcast and every episode is going to be about is, you know, interviewing people like Chris who have had the privilege to move to a country like, like the UK, more specifically England, uh, and tell us how it has been to adapt to this new culture um, and, and pretty much everything that has to do with, you know, not just adaptation process, but uh, the food, uh, work environment, pretty much things that I may not even have questions about that, you know, I hope to, to gather from, from people like him. So, Chris, um, what, if you just want to tell the viewers or the listeners uh, a little bit about your background, where you were born, um, and I, I guess how you came to this point in life. Sure, sure. So, uh, obviously, Sam, I think you you nailed it in the introduction. I mean, we've known each other for, what, 14, 15 years now. Um, so I grew up in Sacramento, uh, just like you. Uh, actually, a little bit more on the outskirts, uh, kind of more toward like the Auburn side for anyone that's, that's in Northern California. But um, yeah, I, I was in Sacramento pretty much all my life growing up. Um, decided to go to school in South Bay. So Santa Clara area for anyone that, that knows, uh, you know, San Jose area. Um, Love the Bay Area so much. I actually shot up north. Uh, after I graduated, I studied finance uh, with a little bit of emphasis on on music on the side. Um, didn't do anything with that, but um, it was just kind of a nice, 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 fun thing to study. Uh, and then I spent about four, four and a half years in San Francisco, uh, which was great because I mean, I, I think everyone, uh, when you finally move to like a big city, if you if you do, you know, um, like doing uh, kind of you know bigger city things, uh, it's a dream come true, right? Like you get to, you get to, you know, try a lot of different foods, get to meet a lot of different people from different walks of life. Uh, and I kind of wanted that in a more international scale. So, um, uh, you know, I can go into my company in a second, but my company helped, uh, kind of get me to the stage right now where I'm talking to you, uh, two hour times on away, obviously you're in Jordan right now, but, uh, yeah, talking to you in London, it's, it's kind of surreal still to think about two years later. Absolutely. And, um, I know that, I, obviously, through our friendship, I know that you are a of Greek descent. Um, I don't know if you could tell the viewers, since it's obviously related, how your uh, parents, is it your parents that came to America or is it your grandparents? I don't know if you want to tell the viewers or the listeners. Yeah, so, uh, so my, my mom's side is, uh, I call it like German-American. So actually, I could not answer you know, <laughs> the life of me when specifically they migrated over, but it's been a couple of generations. My, my dad's side is, is the Greek side. That's a little bit more topical. So we come from a village uh, about an hour away from the third biggest city in Greece. Um, the area is like Napakos Patra, but the, the little village is called Kupaiki. And uh, I think uh, pretty much mid-war, my, my grandma uh, migrated over, um, met my grandpa in the States. Uh, they settled, got married. And then my parents, uh, well, my, my dad's side, he, he was born in Sacramento and actually at the age of four um, was sent back to the village for a year. So out of uh, a group of my siblings, or sorry, my, my, my dad's siblings, he was the one that was kind of elected to go live in the village for about a year or so. Um, I've never been to the village myself, so I probably shouldn't be one attesting to kind of what it's like, but it seems like a lot of 
um, goats, <laughs> dairy products. Yeah. Uh, you got you know one local church, one local discotheque, and like uh, you know uh, a liquor store. And um, aside from that, you know a few houses around. So um, yeah, that's a little bit more about kind of the the natural. So so, so sorry, I may have missed it. Why why did you? the your dad have to go back was, was that something that your parents chose i didn't really understand yeah it's uh i mean i i wish he was able to kind of give a better more clear answer i i understand from a high level but i want to understand like when my, my parents grew up and and i'm fortunate to be able to even you know be talking to you and in, in a place where my parents took care of me very very well um you know they they worked really really hard in this life but they didn't come from much growing up so uh i believe it was kind of a monetary decision um you know my dad uh, when he was born, he was the second sibling uh, of, of four eventually. And, um, you know, they kind of needed places and ideas and creativity around, hey, how can we, you know, raise four kids in the household? Good idea. Let's send uh, one of them to, to Greece for a little bit. Um, you know, we got family out there. Um, and the idea, of course, was to bring them back. I think it was either just shy of a year, or pretty much a year. But um, yeah, it's kind of nice. I mean, it rooted him. So he's like, like many people in the States, right? Like he's got an American accent, but I mean, he could turn it on just like that, um, the Greek, which is kind of crazy. And I, I would probably attribute a lot of that just to kind of his, his early upbringing. It's a great story. Um, I, I haven't been to Greece yet. And the reason is uh, because I feel like it's a country I, I need to dedicate at least two to three months to move there, hop around. I'm sure like many countries around the world uh, that get classified as like this one unified culture, I'm sure Greece is very different from region to region. So it's not like I can just go to Athens and be like, I went to Greece, guys. No, I really want to. <laughs> sometimes I look at my schedule like, OK, what country should I visit? And uh, if I feel like, OK, I'm not ready to dedicate two months to a country just yet, then I will skip certain, you know, certain ones. So Greece is definitely one that's always kind of in the back of my mind, like, oh, especially being around. I'm not very far away from Greece. So I'm always like, I really want to go, but I'm not quite ready to be there for a month and a half to two months just yet. So Fair play. hopefully, hopefully one day, um, uh, God willing, I, I will be able to to go and and uh, and have a lot more of uh, of that Greek understanding that a lot of our friends. Obviously, we we have a lot of mutual friends, and, and they are yep. uh, have, have Greek descendancy. So, um, I guess in relation to that, what do you think? is the biggest difference between a Greek mentality and American mentality, because you had the, the privilege of growing up in the United States, which I will tell the listeners, I love the United States. I love everything that that country stands for. I am an immigrant myself and I was born and raised in Colombia, and I have like a duality of, of a personality. Like when I need to be American, I, I, I and, and show some, some values and things that I, that I need to stand for. I, I show my American side and same with my Colombian side. So how is that for, for you, like the mentality between the Greek and the Americans? Yeah, I, I think it's funny, actually. I, I saw a picture last week. It was a it was a snapshot of Europe. And I don't know where the data source is from. So someone can maybe fact check me here. But um, they did a little sample size of every country. And, and each country basically was a percentage of how many of their own citizens thought their country was the best. And Greece, I think, took the cake at 89%. Spain was down to like 40. Um, so the way I describe us is we're... Uh, pride, uh, prideful to like a, almost a level of innocence. Like uh, okay. there, there's an element where I think can get a little bit obnoxious, I'm sure, depending on who you talk to. But um, really, like the, the way I describe kind of, you know, growing up around a lot of Greeks was sometimes it, 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 it can kind of get a little bit like boisterous, uh, crazy, you know, but to, depending on kind of like, you know, the parties that you're at, the weddings, um, we do a lot of things kind of in lockstep with our church. So like a lot of kind of, you know, weaving in the religious fabric with, I'd say, the ethnic fabric. 
Um, but that innocence kind of comes out where I think, you know, people want, like, this is a really weird thing to say, but they almost want, you know, as we call it, Xeni. Xeni means foreign in Greek. Uh, we want Xeni to be part of us. So there's this element of a kind of gratification when people can come to a party, not be able to speak, you know, any of the language or step in line to dance or something. And uh, they kind of feel at home. Uh, and I've seen this universally. Like I, I started taking Greek lessons uh, two years ago, actually, during the lockdown, just kind of decided to kind of up my, my, uh, my knowledge there. And when I was in Greece, actually, this, this past year, uh, I was pretty dumbfounded at how much I kind of broke the sentences and like, you know, ruined the language, as I would say, probably, you know, ordering a, ordering a gyro or like, you know, in a taxi cab and just the effort mattered so much. Like people were so happy that you're trying. It's this, this really cool kind of feeling of like, you know, they want people to kind of understand them in a sense. So you didn't really, that, that language proficiency wasn't really passed on from your parents, right? And, and uh, it's something that I completely understand. You know, when my mom and I first moved to the States, my brother had, had not been born yet. And I remember my mom always questioning, like, how can the parent of, you know, if you're from, you bring this culture into the States, how can you not raise your, your sons and, 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 or your, your children and, and teach them? teach them the language and then it was once she had my little brother in the united states that we realized it's much easier said than done like some kids get it some kids are just naturally good at picking up things or maybe formulating words and sentences it's like a god-given thing and then others may not really even speak it at all but they might understand most of it so it's almost like a lottery unless a parent really pays for like private lessons and teaches them like the literacy of it all it's very hard. So, so how was that for you? What, what did, were you able to be proficient uh, as a kid and maybe you forgot it or how did it, how did it go? Yeah. I mean, it was spoken around me like enough to where I'd pick up some words or some phrases. And in, in some ways I could look up, say my, my godparents or, or my grandparents or, you know, any counterparts and, and kind of get the gist of what they're asking for, but by no means could I respond. So um, that was never pushed on us too much. Like, you know, I know some families in our, in our area that, you know, you speak, and I think this happens for a lot of a lot of people with ethnic backgrounds, right? In like a multicultural yeah, like yeah, country, yeah. is it becomes just part of them, and and there's there's a sense of wanting to hold on to that. I think for 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 our family, my dad really tried not to kind of force one way or the other. Like you're not too American, you're not too Greek. Find your identity and kind of you know like like lean into both. Um, so he never forced like lessons down my throat. Um, that being said, I think just by being around the dialogue and being around by a lot of the community, it kind of became like secondhand adopted. And then what was nice was when I started taking the lessons, I was doing it with actually with um, a Greek tutor uh, in Patra. That's the same area I was telling you about in the beginning. And uh, it was kind of amazing how fast it felt like I was picking some stuff up, not to say by any means that I was getting good, but the rate at which I learned that versus say, I've taken German for a couple of years, I've taken Spanish for 15 years. It just kind of shot up very fast for me. It felt a little bit more like I kind of started getting into like beginner intermediate, as opposed to let's go through the alphabet. Now let's go through, you know, just the grammatical basic nouns of how you order food in the restaurant um, was kind of cool. Nice. Um, and then you also growing up in the Sacramento area, you were surrounded by a lot of other Greek families. So what was that like? And, and once you moved from Sacramento to Sacramento to San Francisco, did that change at all? Uh, is there more Greek uh, culture in Sacramento or more in San Francisco? How was that? I feel like it's funny, funny uh, you asking because like you've you've obviously been a little bit of a part of that in a sense. Uh, so I mean, I got a good group of buddies that are are, are back in Sacramento um, that you know I would consider you know very very close. You know, yeah, Yanni, one of my one of my you know best friends. Um, he's my godbrother. 
my parents, uh, you know, baptized them. So there's this weird mm. uh, sense of kind of like crazy mix where you just, you almost can't like sever ties with <laughs> some, uh, some of the family members you grow up with or just yeah. some of the friends, but that's, yeah. that's the great thing, right? Like we, we kind of got through everything together, right? Um, uh, my buddy Angelo, you know, you know, Peter, um, there's obviously a few more that, you know, you, you've, you've met for sure throughout kind of our years, but uh, yeah, I think Sacramento is lucky. We have a pretty good community. Um, I live right across, actually, if you were to go to my new house in Sacramento, my, my new family's house, we live across from our church and they actually just celebrated uh, their hundred year anniversary. And it, just as much as it was uh, like an opening kind of celebratory hundred years is kind of like the magnitude of how many families just came there and this weird word of mouth. Cause I think that happens a lot in immigrant culture. We don't That's talk about true. it a lot is this idea of like, Hey, go here. Like this, this to us has kind of given us a nice community over the past couple of years. And I can imagine I've never been an immigrant myself, but like I would go where probably I feel most comfortable. So, um, and Sa San Francisco is kind of similar. Um, I've, I've been, and I met a lot of the community out there too. It's a really, really good base. I think California all in all is like North, North, NorCal and SoCal. Um, they stay pretty close together. Um, that and like really as you go over the East Coast, is it's funny, you kind of get like that, you know, Italian-American, Irish-American, like you kind of get this weird Greek-American thing that I haven't seen so, so much on the West Coast, at least where it's kind of almost ingrained in, in the accent or like you'll walk down the street and you'll see like the letters phonetically different. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that answered the question, but. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, and um, so I, I guess just to touch base, uh, like one last aspect of, of Greek mentality before we move uh, on it and talk about your your move from San Francisco to where you currently are. Uh, what is the expectation of Greek uh, families upon their children? Is it a very educated uh, oriented expectation? Is it um, a very free expectation? And also mentioned to me uh, when it comes to romance. Uh, so I guess the, the, <laughs> the success, do they want, because maybe they're very traditional. They want their, yeah. their children to get married young. Do you think, how do you think the, the Greek mentality uh, is in, in regards to those two? You know, the, the work, the work side of things, um, it's a hard one to answer because I've met so many different kinds of people across the board, right? Some people are more on the art side of things, like, you know, they're, they're painters um, or, you know, like they're, they're poets. So like they definitely touch into like the you know artistic side. Um, cool. And I know some really hardworking ones that, you know, hardworking doesn't always translate into like, you know, a desk suit job, right? Uh, right. But some of the people that would go into like, you know, a big, um, you know, building in the middle of a city and, and bust out some finance for eight or nine hours. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think it's, it's really tough to pinpoint. Um, but I would say kind of what people do, like they're pretty, going back to the pridefulness, uh, there's passion in that. So I think people are pretty passionate about what they choose to do. And I would say like, there's a little bit of traditionalism in some of the Greek Greek households, but um, I haven't seen it be so super, especially in the States, like impending on people's ability to do what they want to do. Even if grandma and grandpa um, feel very traditional about, hey, you should be doing this kind of work or you should meet this kind of lady or vice versa. Um, that's what being Americans being all about, right? Is, is having this kind of flexibility of, um, you have this culture, you have this identity to, to, to hinge to, um, but it doesn't dictate your life. Right by by no means is is uh, how you look or how your last name is spelled um, totally contingent upon how your life is supposed to unfold. So I think mean, there's this kind of nice uh, beauty in that in a sense. Um, yeah. I think for the, the romance side, there's there's not much I can really give you advice there yet. Um, but I would say uh, traditionally, if you go back like super, you know, back to like I mean, not not too too old, but like 1900s or before, um, there was an aspect of arranged marriages. There's an aspect of like, you know, you kind of strategically, I'm sure, choose your your spouse. Um, now it's, it seems pretty in line with 
honestly anything a modern western country does it's like you know you go through kind of the ebbs and flows of the dates meet the parents and then uh, get the ring on it <laughs> pretty nice pretty nice awesome so i'm excited to um you know start talking about uh you know your life in san francisco uh and how you ended up uh, moving to to the united kingdom so can you just kind of uh, talk me through what it was like? I think you mentioned earlier that you were looking to go international. So ever since you started working for that company, I guess your current company, but back in San Francisco, was, was that something you mentioned to them? Like, hey, guys, I want to work my hardest here. But if there's ever an opportunity for me to, to transfer abroad, you know, count me in or something like that. So uh, if, you could, if you can talk me through, through that process and, and how, how you ended up uh, moving to, to London. Sure. Yeah. So I work for a San Francisco startup tech company. Um, it's not so much a startup anymore, but when I joined, it was uh, it was smaller for sure. Um, and I didn't really know kind of what direction I was going to take in a couple of years. Like I, I wanted to be cautious of my you know options and decisions, but like you know leave leave myself as as available as possible to whatever was coming next. Um, I think there was an interesting tipping moment. I mean, not to touch too, too much into this, but I, uh, one, one thing that I, I got really into in terms of traveling was when I went abroad, um, I went abroad in Germany, uh, in Freiburg and my goal was to, to knock off as many countries as possible. And in one way it kind of felt like I, like that was a little more transactional volumetric, I'll say there's yeah. a in the world, but, it, but it felt nice. It was like, I, I got really accustomed to seeing a lot of cool aspects of mostly Europe. I think Turkey was, was more of the outlier there. Um, but I had this like kind of weird feeling where I was like, you know, maybe it's cool to explore the idea of working abroad. So uh, in 2019, I basically did a sales training actually out in the London office, the one that I'm in today. Um, and I, I, I helped do this with one of my, my colleagues who she was heading the sales enablement team. Um, and I came for one piece of kind of where my job fits in quite nicely. Uh, and the whole week got to know the sales team a bit more. Um, I actually started spending a bit more time when we got back uh, with the general onboarding process and the typical process was we had people come to headquarters for a couple of weeks. So we met people from Singapore, from London, from Lisbon, just all over the place that were, you know, going there for a couple of weeks, then, then, then going back to their respective offices. And my boss kind of asked me like, you know, right after that trip, uh, perfect timing, kind of, what do you want to do next? And, and I just gave him the answer. I said, I want to move here. This, this place is awesome. I got a really interesting, um, kind of like nice feel for, for London. Um, obviously English speaking is kind of a nice bonus, um, but it felt very, very like diverse as well as very familiar in the same time. Kind of a, kind of a crazy answer, but. Nice. Um, so once you, I guess, once you uh, told your boss uh, that you were open, open to that and, and uh, did he just kind of give you the okay right away uh, or did you have to wait? And, and uh, did you consider other cities besides London or you were pretty certain that that was going to be the one? Yeah, I didn't consider any cities, uh, and mainly because one, by, by nature of how our team was broken out up here, London at the time was the one office that was um, probably like the easiest for me to join based on my job. Okay. So what's nice is it kind of made the decision for me in a sense, like you know my mm -hmm. my eggs were in this basket. Uh, I came back from that trip in April, and I worked with you know my current boss uh, as well as my old boss to kind of figure out what was the right transition plan. And that probably took about six to eight months, but was kind of nice because uh, these conversations went from very preliminary to, okay, like first stage to start planning of this is reality. And then, you know, my job kind of at the end was let me, let me make sure, you know, uh, I help kind of find a backfill, get kind of like my team up and running. And there was a lot happening with my current job that kind of, you know, kept me occupied. But 
Um, I'll tell you a funny story, actually. In, uh, in December, early December, my, my boss at the time said, hey, you should just consider going back out. You know, it'd be good for you to spend a little bit more time with the team just kind of get a pulse on some of their, their challenges they're facing. And, and you'll probably get like a nice understanding as to kind of what, you know, at the time 2020 looks like. And uh, I actually, I remember it was the week before it was Thanksgiving week. Uh, I get a call from my boss saying, Hey, I know you're going in two days. Uh, we had you slotted to go out in April, which I agreed to. So April, 2020. And he said, what are your thoughts on going in January? <laughs> and I was like, okay, mind you, I'm going in two days to meet this team again. Um, almost in a way interview in my head of like, this is the right decision. Am I crazy, Chris? Like this is moving really fast. We're going through the holiday season as we speak, as we record this, that's a crazy time in and of itself, right? You got a lot of people kind of logging off and spending family time. So it's kind of felt like ultimately, if I take this job, I go back to San Francisco for a week, pack my bags, go home. And then I fly out, you know, in January. And um, ultimately I, I thought, yeah, that's, that's the decision to make. So um, it's funny. I kind of delayed it a bit. This is a, a tra- uh, number one mistake I'd say for anyone listening looking to travel, don't wash your passport. Um, I left it <laughs> in my jean pocket and, oh, no. and had to go to man. I had to go to the passenger um, like little desk area right in, in San Francisco to get a new uh, new passport the day after Christmas. And I will tell you if you want to see those people um, even more frustrated <laughs> than, than maybe a typical day dealing with that. It was, it was terrible cues, um, you know, uh, people complaining, like losing that, losing their minds. It was, um, it all worked out in the end, but man, my gosh, it put me through the ringer. <laughs> oh my goodness. So if you wash your passport, it's, it just, it's, it's bad, right? Like is, what, ha- what happened to it? Because I never even Actually, thought about enough, that happening it, to mine. It, it looks fine. They just, uh, they have to scan it. Right. And they, they basically said out the gate, like we won't even accept a water damage passport. I think it's oh, more optically yeah. how, how yeah, it scans yeah. or how it uploads. Right. But, uh, I, I, honestly those books hold, we'll put it that way. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So pretty much what you're saying is you were scheduled to go that April of 2020, which now we know probably wouldn't have happened. Right. Because of the pandemic. That's, like, that, that's so, the crazy thing in my, my, my mind too, is in hindsight, like I actually call my boss, that that same guy in April and I said thank you he's like that's what weird thing to say when you first pick up the phone but what are you thanking me for and I said well for nudging me you know for for nudging me to get out here I don't know if I'd be doing this if um you know you didn't really push me to go in January obviously you didn't foresee you know kind of the right. state of the world as as it was but yeah it's this is how the world works in mysterious ways right <laughs> I mean yeah like like you said looking back it's it's what a what a what a lucky uh a turn of events, I guess, uh, before you knew what was about to unfold. Um, so how, how was the, so I remember leaving Columbia and I lived there for 12 years. So I know 12, 12 years old sounds like you're still a child, but I feel like in my, my generation in Columbia, we grew up very quickly. So I remember, I don't know, my mom letting me be like this. I would roam the streets of Bogota and I would go to my aunt's house, cousin's uh, place. And, it, you know, it's a big city and, I had a lot of freedom and I felt like I grew up really fast. I felt like I, I could just do things on my own that maybe in the States you need to wait till you're 18 or 20, 20 years old to do. And, um, and, and the goodbye was the hardest. I mean, this is a little bit different for you, but I was moving. I didn't know when I was going to see my family and friends and almost like you, I moved very quickly in like two weeks. My mom's like, Hey, blah, 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 blah. I'll leave the story for later. That's why I'm not giving details, but blah, 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 we're leaving in the next week or two. And I was just like, it, it didn't hit me when she said that, but the actual goodbye was like, oh man, like I started crying. Like I've never cried before. 
I was 12 years old, even though I just said that I felt like I was a lot older than that. It was, I was still a kid. I was still emotional about it. So how did it feel to, I, I'm sure you were excited. I'm sure you were also sad. How did, how did you feel at that moment uh, when you said goodbye to your parents and you, and everything? Yeah, I mean, else? yeah, I mean, it's, uh, my friends kind of knew for a while I wanted to do this and I would like to describe probably kind of my, my outlook on life, at least up until this moment, it's been a little bit more like, you know, um, independence, not the, the right word always, because independent can mean a lot of things, but um, I'm kind of comfortable doing this right now, right? Like I'm kind of comfortable picking up a bag uh, a week or two down the line, yeah. so long as it's a calculated decision. Like yep. I'm not going to, you know, whimsically probably drop what I'm doing. There's an element where I, <laughs> I evaluate in my head, hey, do I have money in the bank? Um, you know, do I have a place to stay? Um, so it's probably something in the middle between like, you know, being able to backpack, say the world and, um, and, you know, really need to sit and plan a trip for, for a year. Um, but I was fine with it. Like mentally, actually, it wasn't that tough. Um, saying bye to my parents is harder than I thought. Cause, uh, I've, even though living, you know, just 80 to hundred miles away, um, I never really had to kind of do this before. Like when's the next time I'm going to come home? Um, obviously, you know, between some holidays, like that was, that was the plan, but, um, yeah, I, I remember like, uh, seeing my mom actually, like, you know, shed some tears and I started doing the same and you know, people who know me know I'm, I'm not much of a crier. Yeah. Um, it just kind of came naturally, but, um, yeah. no, it's, uh, they, they've had so much faith in me. I mean, they got me to where I am today. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, have the blessing to say that and it's, it's true across the board for, for so many. So I'm, I'm just, I'm really happy that, you know, they pushed me to kind of be where I was at and they kind of mentally got me prepared in a sense to make these crazy decisions and own them. Uh, my mom's always been into travel. My dad's always been into kind of like, you know, um, giving 110%, making sure that, you know, every day is a, a new day. I think that, um, that quote, right. If you can wake up and change 1% for the better, um, you end up becoming a lot better of a person over time versus you know, trying to go from zero to a thousand. I think um, true. he helped me kind of, kind of think that way a little bit as, as my career developed. So it was a perfect time for me, honestly. It was perfect time for a new challenge, perfect time for me to kind of just um, write a new chapter in the book. And yeah, I'm so happy I did it. So I, I definitely understand like not being ready for that moment. You said you're not much of a crier and then the, then the moment starts to happen. You're like- It hits, man. It hits so out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it hits, man. I mean, and, and you're leaving, you're truly leaving for the first time, right? It's not like you're taking a vacation and you're- you're like, oh, I'm coming back in two weeks or sometimes like maybe you don't see people for a while, but it's not like a planned departure. Maybe you just stay out of touch for a while. And, but especially with your parents, you know, that, that was the way for me with my grandparents. I was always at their house. They, they felt like the role models for me to look up to. So when I left them into this day, they continue to live there, you know? So it's, it's like, I, I think I, I can't call it a regret, but if I was to change something about my life in this, in these past 15 years, I would have my grandparents right next to me every single day. So it, you do have to make you know sacrifices and they aren't getting younger. Uh, so it is a very, very emotional moment, you know? So I definitely understand. Uh, but I guess once you get past, go ahead. No, I was going to say one, one thing I haven't even mentioned, uh, which is kind of crazy and it happened very last minute before I moved was uh, it's very, I wouldn't say very rare, but it feels more rare in the States than maybe back, you know, in, in some other people's respective countries. But we live, you might know this actually, we live on a block in Sacramento with like 30 of my family members. Um, actually, like no joke, like my aunt and uncle across no the street. Idea. No, um, no idea. My, my great grandparents on the street or their equivalents, yeah. like uh, just a lot of family. And for me, actually, I was fine kind of checking in, calling them, texting them, and then like seeing them for the holidays. 
Um, where I got the most FOMO um, was when I started getting here and started getting, you know, FaceTimes where uh, they're in the backyard hanging out with like 20 of them uh, on a spontaneous yeah. Sunday night, you know, making like a pizza in the pizza oven or something. And I'm like, man, this is what being away from the family like actually feels like. I can't just drive, drive and see them for a day. So um, that was yeah. kind of a crazy shock too. Just the broader extended family sense. Absolutely. Um, so once you got past the whole goodbye thing and packed your bags, um, how, how was the, uh, I'm sure your company had a lot of things arranged for you. And actually, let me ask you about that. What, what was the uh, the entire process of, of actually getting there and, and settling in? Yeah, I, I got to give, I mean, big kudos to the company. They, they, they took care of a lot of the crazy heavy lifting. So I think the process was I was in touch with immigration lawyers. Uh, and they sent me a pretty detailed questionnaire that, you know, you got to sit through. It's, it's kind of one of those things that's, you know, you have all the answers, like it's, you know, uh, you know, obviously, um, where have you lived before social security, like, uh, some of like the important things that just you have about your life where you've lived last, you know, three, uh, three to five years. Um, but it's such a new doc, you know, you kind of take your time on it. <laughs> so I took it like probably yeah. twice as long as I should have. Um, and then I think they set up an appointment for me to get my visa checked out, which was pretty easy, to be honest. I wouldn't say easy in terms of getting it, but easy in terms of the process. Uh, I went into into the uh, like basically the UK's office that they had headquartered in San Francisco, got my picture. I think they sent that with a 48-hour to 72-hour turnaround as to a yes or no decision. Uh, got the green light. The so was exp- that was like, that was obviously expedited, right? Like you, if you're doing that outside of a a company sponsoring you, I'm sure that's a very long and un, I, I guess uncertain process, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and again, I'm I'm fortunate. I'm sure like 99% of the immigration stories that are are, are probably you know you've heard uh, or many people have heard is not like this. Like company sponsorship can be one of many ways. I happen to get you know really really good treatment, probably because the onus was, hey, you're moving very quick. Um, I actually ended up obviously stiff arming myself into needing to find a new passport. So that took a few more weeks kind of off the load. But honestly, I was, I was out here from the decision was made uh, officially mid-December. Like when I got back, I kind of had that week, talked to my, my boss and I was out here for, I think, Jan 19. Wow. Okay. And so you get, you get there and what did the office get you a place? Did they give you some funds to, to get the place? How, how did that go? Yeah, I ended up getting a, a place. Um, the company helped sponsor just for, for a month or so while I looked around. So mm-hmm. it was uh, somewhere a little bit more central, close to the office. We're, we're, uh, we're based in Waterloo here in, in London, um, which for anyone who's been to London, it's uh, actually like right near the London Eye. Um, so it's, oh, it's, nice. A nice, it's a nice, I guess, feature to walk past every single day. Yeah. Um, and then I opted to, after a month, start looking for places around and, and landed in what I think was a, a nice neighborhood for pretty much about a year and a half. I, I just moved out of it, unfortunately, two weeks ago, but it was a, it was a great time. Okay, so how long do you think that it took you to settle in? I mean, I know I've been to London. It's a very international city. It definitely lives up to its reputation for one of the most renowned cities in the world. Uh, did you, how, how long did it take for you to feel at home? It, it's a funny, funny question. Cause I kind of feel both ways very, very quickly. Sorry. One second, just getting a ring. Um, on one end, I feel like I got very acclimated quickly and it, it's hard not to bring up COVID obviously in this, this, this podcast. Um, yeah. but, uh, on one end, like this idea for the first time ever, even as a tech company, right? Like I've worked from home before, but this idea of working home daily really amplified getting to know your your corner your desk 
um, that, you know, extra office that you always needed or your very small apartment that you realize you need to upgrade like, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, for me, when, when I moved, I moved to this, this neighborhood called Clapham, uh, which is South London. And I absolutely loved the aspect of kind of getting to know that part of town. It's, it's for anyone that's ever been down to Clapham, it's, it's like one main high street with a few side streets of like these really quaint, typical brick townhouses that you would see. I mean, it's like everything looks the same and different all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and then as, as it leads into what they call the common, common meaning the kind of like the park, it's a beautiful little park over there. And, and really what I was able to do was, you know, get copies between uh, some calls or I got in the habit of doing my, my, uh, my runs or workouts at lunch, just running around the common. And that kind of felt like that's something you couldn't do aside from maybe a weekend here and there. So that was really nice. Uh, on the flip side, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Clapham where I wasn't coming up to, uh, to central or other neighborhoods when things locked down, because I mean, putting ourselves back in the mindset of what first lockdown was different from second and third is, you know, we had no idea what this thing was. So, you know, honestly, for a couple months, it was like kind of almost new for me to go down some of the same streets before. Um, but everyone went through that, right? Like back in our hometowns, that happened everywhere. I, I could tell when I was talking to my, my family in Sacramento or, or those in San Francisco. So um, there was a really weird mix of like really get to know kind of where you're living. Um, London being a pretty like, I'd say lateral city, meaning pretty widespread, like you can cover some distance between the city city limits. Um, yeah, it was kind of new for me to explore for probably longer than what I anticipate if I, if I move, you know, no lockdown. <laughs> Put it that so way. You're say, what you're saying is you got to know that part of town that where you lived very, very well, but because of COVID, you were not able to really enjoy what the rest of London and the freedom to move around. I don't know what the regulations were in, in the UK when, when it first hit. Was it, I, I, I wasn't actually in Las Vegas when, when the lockdown occurred last year. Um, and, and I know that in California, people, you know, everything shut down. So and it, I know other countries were fining people if they went outside. How yeah. drastic or how mild was it where you were? You know, the, the UK was really interesting to me, and this is kind of my take. And again, I, I think that some people have different different views on it. The UK to me is made, not just in the beginning, but kind of up to now, very European and American decisions based on how COVID's kind of like, like ran out. So on the European side, and Europeans are really rough way of defining maybe like, you know, I take Germany or France maybe where, or Italy, Italy is a good example of one that got really hit right from COVID from day one. And they had some pretty aggressive like restrictions. Um, so as, you know, a European country, like you're, you know, uh, London, um, sorry, UK and London specifically had to really act in terms of like, you know, what are we going to do from a kind of being like a, a neighbor <laughs> of these countries perspective, especially given how many inbound and outbound flights are taking place daily to this place. It's, it's very much a hub of, of the yep. Western world, right? And on the American side, I, I mean, I, I use the American side as like, it's a little bit more open, it's a little more free and liberal. And the UK still kind of had these policies that were still flexible in a sense. I'd say, aside from what just was announced, you know, um, last week, which was plan B, meaning that there's, there's tougher work restrictions and a few more things that are back in place. For the most part, like, you know, for a couple months up until last week, people with, you know, the vaccination would walk around and there wasn't much checking. If they checked, you know, you just pulled the app up. Face masks weren't necessarily, you know, required. Um, if people felt comfortable, you know, they put it on. And there's also this element, too, that was a, you know, you'd sit next to someone with a face mask, someone, you know, without very much like anywhere else in the world. It didn't really feel like anyone had any issues with that, put it that way. Um, 
it felt like this this weird mix of like they kind of had to respond for for you know kind of due due diligence reasons of being you know a very very multicultural international place at the right. same time they kind of held on to this idea of like well there's autonomy and we don't we don't want to feel the ripple effects of a total lockdown but i would say uh the, the first couple lockdowns are rough um first one was was tough on anyone i would say the technically there was a, a second lockdown for a month it only lasted in november and the third one was the hardest for me um if anyone's been to the uk it's very cold and the sun sets very quickly in winter <laughs> Yeah. Um, like almost too too quickly and <laughs> i think that lockdown lasted from mid-december so like right around now last year all the way to april which was a long wow, time that is a long time i kind of i don't follow the uk like politics and and, and how they're dealing with lockdowns and and covid restrictions but i do follow as you know my team arsenal from london and based, <laughs> Finsbury based, Park, baby. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, I love that's it was actually a dream of mine to be able to to go to Finsbury Park and like walk down the street where you can see the Emirates Stadium in North London. It was probably well, it's a cool area. It's a really cool this, area. To this day, the, the best um area and, and the best feeling that I've ever had. And sorry if there's some noise in the back. I apologize. But um Anyways, so I've been kind of I, I kind of know what's been going on because of like the full capacity and non-capacity of the stadium. So all of last season, 2020, 2021, empty stadiums. It was eerie to watch sports and especially England being such a popular uh, well, having the best league in the world and, and seeing the stadium so empty. So and then I realized or I kind of followed I followed it in, in, in a way that uh, kind of I didn't really make sense to me. It was like people started getting vaccinated and so by the start of this year which was back in august of this season stadiums are full again there was almost like and i remember last year it was empty and then they tried bringing in like two thousand fans into these sixty thousand capacities so you have like almost nobody in there but it's still two thousand people and then all of a sudden something would happen and they'd be like okay no nobody can come in anymore but then there was like a very fine line of like okay season ended summer happened uh, and now this this year, it's it's like a full capacity. Is that what is was that reflected upon the society? Like ever since maybe August, everything is back to normal. I think there's a little bit of trickery that that went on the first couple of years. So the the first year, I remember when the bars opened up. Uh, I should call them pubs, otherwise some Brit's going to hear this and and ostracize me forever. Um, <laughs> the pub the pubs opened actually July fourth. Um, for any Americans okay. out there, obviously that's perfect that, that, for that's you. A big, birth, a big birthday for us, right? So we actually threw a little bit of a, a flat party, which was pretty fun. And then um, from there, I just remember for a couple of months it was open and summer in general, right? Like rates drop a little bit by by kind of the weather and people are traveling, which I guess in one end of COVID isn't that good. But this kind of this constant movement and your friend group's not always there, um, so there is an element like you kind of mix less with people that you're probably talking to all the time, uh, or maybe more. Who knows? Um, but obviously the second lockdown kind of hit this year was actually quite similar. I think when, when the borders opened again, um, I remember coming back from the States in June and uh, for obviously you're an avid football fan, uh, the euros were going off and London, uh, sorry, the UK made, um, made it to the finals, yes. uh, which was crazy energy. I mean, it was the first time I think in a few decades, right. That that's happened. Uh, and uh, I mean, I remember this is a little bit of a sad COVID story. Uh, people got so rowdy, got so excited. And this is right when Delta was kind of running rampant during the summertime. 
And I remember going uh, to one of my buddy's birthday birthday parties. We ended up watching, um, I think, the finals the next day. And I think eight or nine of us actually got COVID from the same party. Um, the oh Delta my strain. gosh! And, really? and 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 mind you, most of them had their first jab. Cut the jab out here. Um, yeah. I had my full vaccination, so I mean that was my first time. I was like, well, you know, I'm not invincible to this thing yet. Um, but there's an element of trickery in a sense, like, oh, well, it's summer, you know, we're kind of over this. And even though it kind of spiked a little bit, like I wasn't obviously the only one. There was it was kind of going around some friend circles, kind of weaned off a little bit, and then people. You know, followed in suit to travel. I actually ended, ended up going to Greece three weeks later. I had that that trip planned, and I was very happy that I got COVID at the time I got COVID because that two week period of testing out of it meant I can properly kind of get ready for for packing, which was a bit of a bigger trip. So, um, yeah, I think there was the element of uh, you know we're kind of we're through it. Um, obviously, as we hit winter again, we're reminded what the cold can do, and that's that's not just for COVID. That's like flu season, right? So, right. I think the um, the government's a little more cautious right now, for sure. I mean, it's a great um, kind of, um, what do you call it, a polar opposite, I guess, going to Egypt and seeing that nobody cared about COVID. Because I talked to a lot of people, I said, how was COVID last year here? And then you look at a city like Cairo that has so many people and it's so hectic and it needs the movement of so many people every single day that I was wondering, I was like, well, how was this city like a few months ago or a year and a half ago? There's no way that the city just shut down. Because you saw you saw cities around the world just shut down, and people actually following the the rules. And I was like, I, it, it's, it's not realistic to think that Cairo followed uh, any restriction. And when I asked everybody that I you know that I was um, able to talk to, they said no, COVID didn't really get here. Nobody really believes. Nobody really cares. Nobody wore masks. Uh, the government and, and it's it, there was like a unified belief that because Egypt is so hot that it just didn't hit them that much. I don't know the stats. I don't know if that's just like a common misconception by the people I talked to. So I'm not going to say that was true or, uh, true I mean, or false. Th- finger in the air that, ch- that checks a little bit in terms of, right? Like the hotter places typically, I mean, you don't worry about illness as much. Uh, you like to think because it's just, it's, it's not really a, it's not a hub for those kind of things to survive as well. Right. And it's just such a informal country as well. So I think COVID hit different. I know that, COVID hit different countries like late in later months too of 2020. Like we, we all have yep. this like consensus of, oh, it started March, 2020. Well, some countries it didn't hit until like October, which I didn't know about, but it's like, I feel like the more official lawful nations are the ones that like have their people under control. Cause I having travel traveled through some countries, I realized how informal some life really is. Like mm. people drive without licenses, uh, your age for work all this stuff like and i felt like a country like egypt was like that so it's crazy to think about how i guess controlled some countries are and just how non um, uh nonchalant or non-caring some others are and uh, i mean it also that- goes back to how i feel like organized like countries try to be i, I had a the nhs right like is the um the health system health. out here yeah, yeah yeah exactly so they actually contacted me last week and they said hey you've been in close contact with someone actually sorry not last week a few weeks <laughs> ago and they called me they said well, hey you've been in close contact oh with someone and i'm like first of all can you just tell me like where like that'd be very interesting for first me. of all who is and, this yeah yeah and, 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 the, and the lady on the the lady on the prompt literally goes no thanks lady yeah, i'm I sorry want, I, I, i'm not by I'm, I'm, i don't want this <laughs> you, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. 
Telesales hang up. No, um, she, 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 she literally goes, uh, yeah, you've been in contact with someone. And I, I respond, I'm like, can you just tell me, I mean, if, if that's the case, like where? She's like, actually, I don't have that information. I'm like, then, then what's the point? Like, <laughs> like you, there, there has to be some sort of accountability here, right? Like, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever motions you need me to do. Granted, obviously I am vaccinated, but it'd be really helpful for me, probably actually yeah, yeah, yeah. my friends, if I knew exactly where this might've happened. And, Lo and behold, of course, I didn't have COVID. And I think it was between I had a flight, I had a train the next day, and then I went to a bar. And it's like, it could have been any of those three. So it's just, there's a lot of this mental, I think, uh, craziness going around where I think the overtracking is also killing people a bit. That's one cultural thing I've yeah. seen change. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's not But obviously, pe- people are trying to be healthy and I, and I want to be respectful, right, of, of, of some of those decisions. Okay, so... I, I understand a lot about what's what's going on with COVID now, and and um, I, I guess when it when it comes to comparing a city like San Francisco, that's um, one of the biggest international cities in the, in the states, and then London, obviously, you know, internationally altogether. What are some of the? I know that COVID affected your ability to see a continuous day to day activity by the people you lived around in the city. But what would you, how would you describe the difference between San Francisco and London? Um, I think you said that you adapted pretty well, even though like COVID occurred. Is that because they were similar in a way? I know San Francisco is not as cold and I guess gloomy as London most, most year, but most of the year, but um, what were the, some of the differences and some of the similarities that yeah. you found be- between the two? Yeah, I think, I mean, London's the only other big city I've lived in. Right. Um, and London's bigger. It's, um, I mean, both population and then landmass wise, I think I've, I've Ubered, for instance, from, I was in South London and Clapham to, uh, to Hackney, which is East London. And that's not even covering, you know, the full basis. And I think that's like seven or eight miles. So like the city itself is pretty widespread. And I mean, this is where I plug public transit a little bit. Uh, the, the tube was, was awesome. Even my first three months where I take it before they kind of shut it down for a little bit, or people were skeptical of taking it. It taught me everything about the city. <laughs> It's yeah. like a grid system. There's an element of, you know, some lines are snaking or circling around. But, I mean, I feel pretty confident in most of the city uh, for the most part. I think the more I go north or west, I'm sure some people would tell me otherwise. But um, I felt like, one, it was just pretty widely expansive. And I don't know. I, I was listening to another podcast, I think Smartlist. People heard of that one. And Sandra Bullock was on. And I think I, I learned this on, on the podcast that she grew up in Germany for a while. And she said something that I think actually rang really true. I was in the office thinking about this as I literally looked at, uh, you know, Big Ben at Parliament was just being in Europe, you know, albeit, you know, London is, is an English speaking part of Europe that, you know, some of it's like right next to me is a glass uh, building and skyscraper. But on the other side is like this true, you know, Victorian style, you know, beautiful like sculpture, like this building and just walking around in Europe, you just kind of feel this elements of history. Right. So there's kind of that cool clash between what is history, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, with the UK and it's, it's an old history um, to what's a very modern city, a very like, you know, much uh, international hub. Um, I think my first week when I walked here, it hit me when I walked down to get a sandwich and I heard, I think Vietnamese, Portuguese and German on the same block. I was like, I'm yeah. very much in a different part of my, uh, part of my life and part of the world. It changed gears a little bit. So what what's the what's the another thing that i hear is obviously that we already talked about a little bit is the weather yeah. how was it <laughs> moving from california and let's forget covid right we i think we covered that enough 
just the yep. weather itself is it that bad is it does it really mess with your mood does it really make you go oh i don't know if i can live here like wh- what does it make no. you think I, I think for me i mean i'm not so beaten up over it there, there's an element where i think because it's so north it's similar to seattle in the sense that's a little more doom and gloomish like in terms of how it feels and looks i'll be very honest very hot take for anyone who's who's either lived in london or visit a few times might, might, might call me out for this. I don't hate it that much. I think it's very similar to SF. It's not, it's not that windy. I mean, SF can be a little more windy. I'd say. I think it is a little and bit. It, yeah. SF is a little bit gloomy. It's, it's gray see, almost every day. A hundred percent. But you, you pull up the weather forecast here and it might say five out of seven days are going to rain. And that could be anywhere from like one day showering for like an hour to the other four days have a 70% chance of rain and that sprinkles for like two hours and then the sun comes out later. It's like, I've noticed um, the, it rains a lot here and it's a little bit more, it's an island, right? It's got kind of a weird place on the map at where it is. So I'm sure it's getting a lot of like, you know, currents or whatever, whatever meteorologists are, <laughs> are dubbing what, what makes this place unique. Um, it just feels like it's a little bit colder than it actually is. Like literally yesterday, I remember going out and the first thing I talked about with my roommate was, Dude, the weather was not what it felt like like yesterday. Like we were walking around. <laughs> I was wearing this jacket. You know, I'm wearing yeah. like a, you know, like a. Um, Looks like you're wearing two, jacket. Or three layers right there, bud. Yeah, two, three <laughs> layers. And honestly, I could have taken like this layer off the jean jacket and I would have been totally fine. It was actually surprising to me. Um, so I would say in terms of Fahrenheit, because I'm always converting now. It's yeah. um, probably I'm, anywhere. I still like, haven't figured it out. I still, some, especially in other countries, like, hey, what, what's, how, what's the temperature? I'm like. Hold on, let me do this on my phone real quick. Let me tell it's, you. It's super odd. It's super odd math. I kind of got good at like the barometers, like the you know, spectrum not, of, of it too. Yeah, how does not yeah. how does one not memorize it right? Like it's it's just one conversion you have to memorize forever. And yet I always forget. I just don't know why. Oh. But um yeah, yeah so all, 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 all I know is 40 degrees is really hot because that's what Dubai always is. Um <laughs> yes, yeah, that's I Brits love Dubai. Yeah. yeah. So um no, it's uh, it, it just it looks I think a little bit worse than it feels to be honest. The weather to me, and and I know some people are more weather people than others. It's not a game game changer um for me in the sense of like I couldn't muster it. Now, if I was in the snow every day or like it's raining every other day, I like to think I can last. Who knows? Um, it's definitely a little bit more temperate than I thought going into it. So the weather's not you don't hate it, but you don't love it either. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, look at the the summer. It's 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 really nice. I mean, that gets upwards of eighty five, ninety. It's mm. honestly pretty similar to San Francisco. Like, uh, yeah, not 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 identical, but it feels like based on the weather patterns, it's more on that wavelength than not. With the exception of that Indian summer that they talk about, right? Like the um, September October time frame where it starts getting very very nice out of the blue, and probably July is the opposite. It's a uh, pretty fine it's like anywhere between 30 degrees on its lowest of lows and 90 degrees on its highest of highs and i mean we're taking a few yeah and that's kind of why i wanted to to choose you to to do the interview because i felt are, are there any are there two cities that are more similar that are two different completely different places of, of the world you know san francisco and london when you think of like okay find me an equivalent and i could give you a city and if i was to give you san francisco i'm i'm sure london would be on a lot of people's you know top three probably and and so i i wanted to kind of talk to you about is it true that it, are they they're that similar and from what you're saying i mean besides the way that american uh, i guess the way you know healthcare and, and, and restrictions like the actual city life itself it's very very similar 
I think the um the biggest difference is like actually how the city looks itself. And to be yeah. honest, I don't know, Sam, if you've made it out here to Lisbon or if anyone uh, has been to Lisbon on, on you know, listening. Um, it is crazy to me how identical Lisbon and San Francisco look. It it actually scared me a bit, Sam. Yeah. So <laughs> I so, went to Lisbon, uh, but uh, I, I Lisbon yeah. was very particular. I didn't really think about San Francisco when I went there, but since you lived there for much much longer than I did, then uh, you you obviously know better. Well, it, it had the hilly aspect. I mean, again, you if you're above like at a rooftop bar, everything's got like these you know super bright orange you know like rooftops. Um, very European by nature, but you have a replica of the Golden Gate Bridge, obviously misplaced yes. on the right yes. side. If you're looking out versus the yes. left, they have a marina um, that like not, I'm getting into this a little bit, but even like how steep the hills were, yeah. it kind of just felt like, oh, you know, this is legitimately like, you know, me walking from my house to the local deli. They had a tram system that felt a lot more like San Francisco just by kind of like walking around than this city. Um, but I think. I think there's a reason people like both or don't like both maybe because they kind of have the same little energy in terms of some of the bars you go out to, some of the jobs that you could work both, you know, as a working class or like, you know, um, uh, you know, upper class, um, you know, employees. So um, it does, it does share a lot of similarities in terms of kind of what I like in my lifestyle. Um, but by, I think by you know, no means does it feel like it looks the same. So yeah, so it feels. So you're saying it feels the same, but it's it's not quite the same. It it doesn't. It's not doesn't look the city itself. The architecture is, is not the same. Um, There's unspoken similarities in a sense, right? Like some people, it, it took me a while to kind of get it out of me. If that makes sense. And that's something that I always give San Francisco credit for. Is I think, as you know, people in our area like to criticize it because of homeless. I don't know why Sacramento and San Francisco don't get along. You know they're. Like two little brothers, you know, Sacramento is a less, less known brother, but um, we're always like San Francisco. It, it, it's always, it always seems to be critical. And I don't want to mention the homeless population thing again, because I think it's an every city problem. So you, you can yeah. talk about San Francisco, but you can also say, well, this happens here and here and here, but it's more, it's, it's, it's more like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is that, that, that there's so much criticism for, but um, man, I actually lost my, my train of thought. I was going to go. No, you're good. High, but I, I, I think it's spot London. on. I think, I think one, one is just uh, how expensive it can be in the Bay. And, and to be honest, like the Bay's outdone itself. It's, it's really tough to be. I remember, I remember like a decent job, you know? Yeah. I, what I was going to say is, okay, so yeah, we tend to criticize it a lot, but the actual city of San Francisco, the beauty yeah. that that city is like, I remember waking up every single it's stunning. April. It's just stunning. You never get, it never gets old when you're even driving through the city and, and you look at everything when you're as if it's the golden gate bridge or the, or the Bay bridge, or if it's, I mean, and it's, you always seem to find new angles of the city, wherever you go, you know, it's not, you can't really repeat the same angle unless you live there and you look at the same place. Uh, it depends where you're driving, but you, you always seem yeah. to get a new glimpse and, and, and be like, wow, this, this, or, or if the sun is hitting from one angle one day and maybe another the next day. So I, I think it's something that, that is, and it's obviously the most European looking city of, of, I think of the States. I mean, can you compare it to any other city in the States? That it's no, no, I, I put it quite similar. Uh, I have not been in New York enough to even put New York in a similar context. And to be honest, not I actually probably rave though, about, yeah. I rave about London being similar in terms of um, 
its cosmopolitan feel. The five days I did spend in New York, it was, um, it felt like uh, so a lot more people in general, but like uh, the international aspect also was, was pretty present too. I think San Francisco to me feels a little more homey in a sense. I see, I see, yeah. So I was going to say, just to compare like the 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 the, the features of, of San Francisco and London. So you, you would say London just captured your imagination more in terms of beauty or? Yeah, I mean, what's nice is if for anyone that comes to London or um, who's looking to plan a trip, there's a ton, ton of beauty, like just um, a lots of parks uh, across the board. It's actually a very big biking city. Um, I don't, mm. I don't bike too much myself, but um, lots of opportunity to kind of get around the city and traverse just kind of different like terrains. Um, right down south, a little bit to the west of me, I believe, is uh, where I used to live was Wimbledon. And Wimbledon Commons, known to be a pretty spacious area that you can go run for a couple miles or go bike for a couple miles. Um, and then obviously, for anyone that's commuted from Heathrow or Gatwick or anywhere else outside the city, it's only green. <laughs> that's all That's all that it is. I mean, you got a few houses here and there, like little towns, but most of the UK is a pretty green spot, which is a, I actually very much like kind of the, um, uh, what, what, what the kind of the, the feel is outside of the city and what they brought into it to make it kind of feel that way. And then also, I mean, obviously the architecture, like there's, there's elements, the, some parts of it with the glass buildings and whatnot. I mean, it feels like any other city, but um, they do a good job of weaving in some of the, the history that you, you, you definitely feel. I, I actually went, played tourist for the first time on Saturday uh, and went to um, Tower of London. It took me two years. It's like this thousand year old, like um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? basically complex, like castle complex, where the monarchy used to live. Um, terrible history, by the way, for anyone who wants to read up, it's a bunch of ex executions and like backstabbers. But um, I mean, they had the crown jewels there and it's like, it's right next to the Tower Bridge, which people think is the London Bridge. Anyone knows that big, nice bridge? Um, that's actually called the Tower Bridge. Uh, and you got that all next to all these you know, glass skyscrapers. It's kind of crazy. It's um, this weird kind of fusion of two worlds. So I'm going to, I guess move on to the the aspect of living in, in Europe and in itself. And I know that uh, the UK had the Brexit <clears throat> stuff go on, and, and they're not part of the European Union anymore. Uh, but but being in Europe really gives you a lot of flexibility, especially in terms of traveling to other countries, right? And the cool thing about Europe is it's like you know each country's got its own thing, its own culture, language which is something in the U.S. we don't really do. Like, you don't see a lot of people try. I mean, you will see the, the occasional spring breaker go from California to Miami, go all the way across. And also, I think the, the, the cost of, 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 of flights and the cost of travel in the States is it, it really discourages people from moving too far. Um, so is, is that something you were excited about before going to, to London? I'm sure you thought about the city itself and the everyday life, but you must have also thought, well, every weekend I can take a trip down to Switzerland. I can take a trip down to, I don't know, anywhere. So anywhere in Europe, at least. Yeah. How, is that, was that something you envisioned before or was that something you kind of got? Yeah, there, like, oh, I mean, wow. like, the, the first year I definitely wanted to travel a lot more than obviously COVID kind of presented. Um, now, that being said, I think I made, uh, made do with a lot of like the, the kind of, uh, last minute trips that you know myself and maybe a few friends decided to do so one one trip that I really enjoyed it was the only place I went aside from the U.S. and the U.K. was last year um, I spent basically shy of a month of in Italy uh, mm -hmm. and what we did was we booked a few Airbnbs between Rome, Florence, um, Milan, Lake Como, Venice 
And I worked every day. Like, I mean, yeah. I fully got like a setup. Like my, my job was to find a nice Airbnb where my, my company would know that I'm online and working. But the difference is instead of going on a run, you know, around the common, like I told you, it's around the Coliseum. And I did that like four times. And I was like, That's oh my awesome. gosh, it's kind of crazy to like, it, you kind of feel like those kind of um, staple things that you would see in a city, like these monuments, you kind of walk by once, maybe twice, and you, you kind of check it off the list or go inside it, right? Um, it was kind of cool just to live that life a little bit. I did the same thing with Greece this year. And then I did a week in Portugal, a little bit more flexible this, this year on the travel. And I did actually a weekend in uh, Krakow. Um, that was yeah. kind of a last minute 20 pound, you know, flight to go to Krakow just for four days. And uh, my gosh, I mean, it was one of the best decisions I made. It's, it's, it's crazy how many, I'm curious how many other cities like that exist. We'll put it that way. Yeah. I think that's the best thing about Europe. And anytime that I, it, it's funny because when you, when you meet other travelers, you don't have to break anything down for them. They know they actually teach you, Hey, where this is where you should go. And this is the next city you should visit. When you go back to the States and you talk to people, it's like, you're, you're the, you're the guy giving the speech. You're the guy breaking things down for them, telling them, and they can never quite believe how cheap flights are, are in Europe and, and just how flexible things are. And just having the passport, one passport lets you into all these different countries. Um, and really, I, I think something that I'm jealous about is if, if in the States we were able to, I mean, think about it. If you're, if you're a college kid in, in, in any of these European countries, you can, if you have enough money, I guess, like take a weekend trip to a different place, a completely different place, have an amazing yeah. weekend and come back and re get ready to, to, to do, you know, academic stuff or get your stuff done on, on the next Monday. And, and, and it's something that in the States, it's like, we're, we're, it, it really matters where you live. Like your city matters because you're going to have, you're going to have your fun there. You're going to have your routine there. And that's part of the reason that I was like, okay, I need to break free from like this American, like territorialism, like, I love America. I love like, how city, how, how I've had a great time in Sacramento and, and a couple other cities, but it's like that, that is, if, if you were to ask me, what's, why would you want to move to, to Europe? I'd be like, because every weekend would be different for me. You know, if I was to have a regular yeah. job, then I, that yeah. would be the, my number one motivator, like every weekend and a different trip. You know, what's funny is it kind of went the other way too. When I was talking to a lot of British people, they did ask me kind of, uh, with a little bit of sarcasm, why'd you move here? You know, like it's cold. It's, it's like, this is way smaller. And I think actually the U S overwhelms a lot of people, but in like a, a way that they want to get to understand it. So I know a lot of people who've been to the States like three times, they've only been to Miami, New York, and say like Chicago. And it's like, man, you have missed thousands of miles between even that and California. Yep. And Oh my gosh, in Chicago, did you go to this one bar? Oh, you missed out. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> I think for us on the flip side, it's like, man crossing off europe would be really difficult in and of itself or even half of it right like that's that's pretty expensive and it's 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 a lot of time to do to plan a trip like that but in a weird way it's kind of nice to have like an understanding of what we're going into I, I played a game with some of my, my my reps that i work with um where i asked if it was a city or state <laughs> and and some of them still some of them obviously for some reason they just didn't know you know some of the states and um i don't knock them for it you know it's like we have a bunch of places that none of them will ever probably visit ever and right. it's not a knock on the u.s there's just so much to see in the u.s it's kind of actually clouded and confusing i think for them which kind of humbled me a bit and made me appreciate a lot of kind of growing up in the states you learn a lot about a big part of the world yeah, I mean, I think the main difference is the U.S. has a lot of empty states in a way. You know, you, if you're going to go there, maybe you're doing like a 50, crossing all 50 states kind of bucket list item. 
or um, maybe your family's from there, but there that's not going to happen in Europe. There's not an empty no. country in Europe that you're like, oh, I don't need really, I don't really need to go there. You know, if you go to, are you going to go to North Carolina? Are you going to go to South? Are you going to go to Wisconsin? You, as a tourist, probably not. And if you are, that might even be too expensive to go. So it's like, oh, I, I'm going to go to Wisconsin. Yeah. It's a three hundred fifty dollars round trip. Why would you ever do that? You know, it just makes absolutely no sense. So um, I looked into why the, the, the I looked into to why flights are a bit cheaper in Europe, and I think there I think there's a movement when it comes to to you know the the the, um, the atmosphere. You know, it's it's more eco friendly. That you know, obviously planes can affect um, the uh, global warming, and so being you know on on land and it, it is is more it costs more because of of that element. You know, and, and even even between countries, it's crazy to me. Like when I booked, I think I booked my flight to move over four days before I flew. And granted, this is pre-COVID, so I mean, tickets are you can't even try to find like you know uh, consistent ticket deals these days. But I think it was two hundred and fifty bucks for me to uh, to fly one way from Norwegian Air from San Francisco to London. I don't think I've found a you know um, cheaper flight to New York than some of the day trips that you can go to London. Now, barring out, you know, obviously the um, the holiday season. It's kind of crazy to me. It's like I can literally drop out of a parachute and it'd be cheaper, <laughs> like for 230, 300 more bucks. It's, 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 mental. yeah. yeah. Um, so there's also this craziness like we've created this market in the States where flying is this like luxury between states. But even going somewhere else, I mean, I did Mexico City uh, a couple of years ago and that was 300 bucks. I think I booked that a month before direct it flight. It doesn't make just any sense. Crazy. I, I really, I need to make some sort of little study into it and, and kind of just podcast myself and be like, all right, guys, look, this is why you're it's a se- separate segment. <laughs> yes. Because you're yeah. right. Like you can go to Mexico for, and I've seen, you know, I, I track really cheap flights and I see Mexico for one ninety round trip. And then uh, the same price for Sacramento to San Diego. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's, cr- it's, cr- it's crazy. Man. And, they, and they're operating like what? A couple of flights a day from the same airport. So yeah, something's rigged. It's incredible. <laughs> So would you say, um, okay, so actually update us on your situation. So for um, anybody who will listen to this, whether it's now or many, many, many years in the future, I don't know what you're about to tell me. You're going to update me with what the next step in your life is. I have a funny feeling that you're moving back, but am I I correct in saying that? I, I actually moved back in four days. (laughs) <laughs> oh man you caught me you caught me on my soon. last week here yeah so the that 17th soon. uh recording this on the 13th I, I fly back hit the holidays back there might be a little element where i come back out actually to work a little bit next year in london and i also have a return flight that i'm planning on um using to kind of grab a few bags um but yeah the end of an era uh, it's been a great two years some people give me the whole like you know uh covid must have been really difficult and it's like it was difficult for all of us you know we all went through it um, and if anything, it kind of helped me like live life a little more tame and like what I would assume, you know, a Brit British person would do day to day than say the opposite kind of end of the spectrum where if I was traveling every week somewhere else, um, I don't think my head would be screwed on straight. Right. So there's this weird, this weirdness of, you know, being able to kind of accept kind of the situation and run with it and travel a bit too. I mean, I was fortunate to still hit four countries and, um, I mean, I really rate the decision. It was, uh, it's once in a lifetime. And now hopefully I can come back and like, you know, if anyone ever visits out here, um, I have at least an understanding of a different part of the world a bit. 
So why, why is it that you're moving back? Was it your decision? Was it the company decision? I'm sure COVID and working remote might have had something to do with it. Samuel, it's love. I got a, I got my girlfriend oh, back it's home. Love. <laughs> you, I, I think I've, I've seen that you are back together with your, is it your college girlfriend? Yeah, actually high school. Yeah, high we, school. We started, we started dating when we were 15. So right. um, we were, we were, we were off of, we were off for a little bit actually. Um, and when I moved. What a, st- yeah. what a story, man. What a story. You guys got back yeah. together. It's, it's, it's that almost impossible thing where you date a girl in high school, but you, I'm not speaking for you, but I'm speaking for what <laughs> I think could happen is, but sure. hey, you know, we need to live life a little bit. Let's see what happens. And maybe we get back together in a few years so much easier said than done yeah yeah and, and honestly i mean it's uh it's a city that I, I absolutely love it's a tough decision to say goodbye it's it's the most obvious one to come back so i'm so excited to see her i'm so excited to see um obviously my family we already have a place actually back in san francisco so i'm back to the uh, the old ends as maybe the brits might say um and yeah i mean it's it's a new chapter in the life what's nice is like london to me is so accessible still and it's 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 a place that I feel like I could plug myself back in hopefully in a couple of years, not even coming here. And it'll feel like, you know, I already got a good sense of the city, even if it changes a bit. So um, I'll definitely be back for sure, you know, and, and, and spending a bit more time in Europe um, as, as I, I love this part of the world. Um, there's other places too, actually Europe kind of taught me to want to travel elsewhere. So one of my, my old roommate, Jake, uh, he was a huge fan of traveling to South Africa. That's mm-hmm. on my list now. Um, Dubai's yeah. somewhat on my list now. Um, a lot of the Brits love to vacation out there. And then the amount of good Asian kind of fusion culture over here and the amount of people that like, it's kind of crazy. You kind of get one or two trips. Some people do the whole backpack and road trip trip, uh, trip after, you know, university studies in the States. And then you do the backpack trip in, you know, Asia from, from you know, England. And that mm-hmm. one sounds really cool to me. So not to say I'm going to go backpacking tomorrow, but um, I got a lot of the world that I still got to check off. I, have, I haven't done any of those places before. Right. It's a big world. Let me tell you, man, you know, I, I've been bouncing around for a while and uh, I still, it's almost like I'm not even looking back. I'm still looking ahead to see how many more you have to almost pace yourself. You have to be like, all right, look, you know, it's not about how many countries have I visited. It's how much, how many, how much, how much of the culture have I really gotten to know? And did I really, maximize my time there um so you know like and everybody has a different destination like you said you know people in in the uk i actually went to you may have heard of it you probably have gibraltar gibraltar is that little yeah that little the strait of gibraltar but like it's spain territorially but it, it belongs to the uk and it's like the smallest little country full of brits that speak with a Spanish accent. It, it was the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever what a, heard. What a fusion. They were taught. So I, I interviewed a guy there and I was like, all right, can you talk to me? Like you would talk to another Gibraltarian. And he started talking to me in perfect Southern, you know, Castilian Spanish, you know, the one from Spain. And then would every other word, it wasn't even like the Spanglish that I hear in California where it's like, you can solve, you can sort of get like the order of it. It was like the randomest thing, like, you know, beginning with Spanish, throwing in an English word, then the next sentence, flipping that into starting with English, putting this, but it was like perfect Spanish and perfect British English. And I was just like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. The craziest language or, or mix of language I've ever heard in my life. And it was all, it was all British people that besides the ones who lived there, it's just a vacation spot for 
for the uh, for the British people. There was nobody else there. I mean, maybe it's amazing. Yeah, and um, and then you're also saying they they like to go to Asia. Yeah, I mean, so would you say that the 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 the, the uh, London based or I guess the UK uh, people are are well traveled or they like to to like to travel? Because I guess one thing Americans aren't very known for is is do is doing that is traveling a lot and very well cultured. Would you say that the uh, the English are? Yeah, I would say so. Um, sorry, by the way, if the audio quality changes, my AirPods just died. So it's all um, good. No, it's. Uh, I think the Brits. They. It's interesting because that, that comment you made earlier about going, to, like, say, to you know neighboring countries. I think some of them I've gotten, and this might not be the right word, but numb to the idea, the fact that like it's like in their backyard. So I know some people that would love to travel, they just never make it a priority. That's and, true. That's true. Um, some people are busy, but like. And it's so true. You take you take it for granted. Backyard of them, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but there's also a lot of people who love it. Like I've gone with a few, a few of my British friends here. Like I went to Portugal. I've been to Italy with them. Um, Krakow, we did with a a few Americans, and then I went with my American buddy who lives lives in the UK um, to to Greece for a little bit. Um, So it's just so easy to get around, and and even in the UK, I I think. Last week, I went to a going away um, like party for for one of one of our team members that's that's moving to the states actually, and she lives two hours away in Lincoln, um, where any any Da Vinci Code fans apparently um, the big cathedral at the end um, is is located. It was glorious to watch you know, from afar, but tiny little UK town um, was kind of cool just to train and go experience that. And you know, it's it's. You got people who are doing this literally daily. We're just training across the country. I think it's three and a half hours to go from London, pretty far north, almost to Scotland. So they're pretty yeah. dumbfounded with your 10-hour drives that we get, you know, from San Diego to Sacramento, Stan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's incredible. But you're right. I mean, you touched on that uh, point of they take it for granted, you know. Like, you can say that the Americans are, are not the best well-traveled people, but the ones that you do find that are well-traveled are very, very well-traveled. And then I do see that Europeans have this uh, different, uh, the ones who I can see them taking it for granted and being like, well, I can go any weekend and then never actually go. But then I see other ones that fully exploit that opportunity. And, and that's when I was mentioning, like, I wish I would have been here in like college and had the ability because it, it would have been affordable in college. I mean, imagine us in San Francisco, like, hey, New York is $20 round trip. Well, let's go. I mean, why not? You know, we could easily, but we don't get that privilege you know so um that's cool man so uh you're you're moving back because because of your because of your girlfriend then yeah yeah we're um really excited we got a spots uh in the marina um it's my first time living there did you um, want to move back to san francisco or did you think about moving somewhere else we we had in our head a little bit to explore a few other options i think sacramento was a dead giveaway uh, for both of us in hindsight we were thinking about it because our families are so close They're, she's also from sacramento right so yeah um proximity matters and and for me being away for a couple of years especially in this crazy couple of years of covid um it was like a no-brainer for us so um yeah it was it was kind of an easy decision after mulling it over but the beginning process was like you know we should explore other options I mean, when the time is right, then you got to make the right decision, bro. So, you know, I think the, the thing that changes your life the most is, is, is romance. And, and if now is the time to, to make that jump back, then, and then it has to be done, you know? So I'm excited to hear that you're moving back. And, uh, 
how, how do you feel about leaving London? You're pretty, you said you're pretty sad, right? You said, it, I mean, you seem very, I, just based off your natural reactions, you, you seem very sad and, and uh, about leaving. And that obviously means that you had an amazing time. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's natural, like, uh, you know, like mixed feelings going around. I think for me, I'm, 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 I'm sad because I met a lot of good people here. Uh, and, and honestly, like, you know, I, I didn't talk about work that much, um, but I have an amazing international team that I work with, you know, um, from, from all over the place. Uh, and it's tough, like, uh, you know, to work uh, towards something for a couple of years, like building a foundation, building friends, getting to know kind of the system, um, whether it's, you know, the banking, um, the phone system, whatever. Uh, I mean, these things are pretty trivial and easy. Once you set it up, it's kind of set and forget. But I think you get the gist, right? Like, I still start, I still learn about, you know, new aspects of the city, new places to try um, to eat or drink. Um, but again, I, I think the, the good, like a thousand percent outweighs like the, the pain, uh, of, of going back. So I'm really excited to go back and even more excited now that I have a, a laundry list of things that I want to do when I get back, uh, to visit London. So, um, I kind of treat it as like, it's, it's not goodbye. It's, you know, see you for now and, and I'll be back. Yeah, it's a, it's not a goodbye to see you later. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think it taught me, I mean, I've been, been here for a couple of years, but just the amount of flights I've done back and forth, it's pretty accessible. So provided the, the flights, they figure themselves out a bit in terms of the pricing. I mean, they have tons of direct flights internationally. Um, it's a super easy process to get into the country. Um, obviously with COVID aside, these you know, things might change, but I've been used to do, doing the e-gates. You like walk up, you literally scan your passport. Yeah. Um, they put the Americans actually in the EU line. I think they have like, they have the EU flag, they have the British flag and they have the American flag and like one other country. And it's like this weird grouping system of like, we already trust you and we know exactly what we're getting, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes actually that line gets worse than the other line, right? Because there's so <laughs> many so many of them flying, but no, it's um, it, it's a very easy to feel at home kind of city. It really has everything for everyone. Um, I started getting into going to, to theater a little bit. There's a few plays that are in the area, like the, I mean, really, really good shows um there's some fun music that, that's here i mean the food is incredible i'd say the one type of food that i think is awful here so if anyone wants to come over and fix this please is the mexican food maybe it's because i'm a native californian um but man, they cannot make a cali burrito or know that nor do they know what that is um everything else they nail it they nail it across the board okay so i have three last questions for you and by the way can you hear any music in the back because somebody just started turning up some music can you hear anything no, you're good you're good. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. The first question I have for you and try to keep your answer short, just so that it's simplified and uh, easily, I guess, um, received is what is the best thing about London? Hmm. Diversity. It's gotta be the diversity um, on, on everything. Literally you could take that and extrapolate it to anything about a city. It's diversity for sure. So in terms of ad adaptation, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, food in terms I would even of past, like the, the things you can see, like diversity of thought, even, um, uh, okay. like it's, it's cool that you can open-mindedness, open-mindedness is probably like a nicer way of putting it. Like, uh, when you get to like the, I try not to get into politics ever. <laughs> um, cause that's just a lose-lose conversation for a lot of people. I know am I very too politically driven to be honest. Um, but what's nice is like, I've noticed people here have a lot more of a dialogue um where it's like this kind of you can do it over a beer you know or over a meal and sometimes it can get heated like we have pretty similar systems to be honest uh yeah. like with the states like in terms of parties but 
Um, you just don't have that inherent like kind of feel where there might be a little bit of agitation that I think I hate to say, like in America, we kind of built a little bit um, and there's still room hopefully to improve there, but um, it just feels a little bit more natural. You can have a disagreement or a conversation where you don't feel the same and that's okay. And honestly, sometimes it's better rooted because you're talking to someone from a different part of the world and it's like fair play to you because I have no idea what that's like, like where your opinion's coming from. That's absolutely true. So you're saying it's a little bit less bipartisan and, and more, you can't even really label it. I mean, you can say something's bipartisan, but what the opposite of that might be like, you some said of thoughts might be, yeah, some of the thoughts might be bipartisan, um, but like you get it from a different like background entirely, right? Or like a different right. like, you know, upbringing. Uh, and you can't dispute that. Like, I hate to say we shouldn't even be, be disputing, you know, uh, people to our left and right in America because every upbringing is different. But to kind of have that mystery of not knowing exactly what that's like kind of humbles you, right? So it's like, okay, well, you know, let me let me hear about kind of what your view is and vice versa. Again, I'm not the one kind of really entertaining a lot of these conversations, but just secondhand watching just or listening. even listening, talking to people about kind of how they think about things. It's a little more of a dialogue, which is uh, which I think is pretty cool. Okay, so best thing is diversity about London. Awesome. Second question, what is the worst thing about London? <laughs> <laughs> the Mexican food, man. I might go back to the Mexican the food. The Mexican I've, uh, food. <laughs> I've had, uh, I got a little lazy uh, during a stint of when, when things were shut. Actually, I think there was three months you had to either order uh, delivery from grocery stores or food out. So the way I overcompensated my runs when I started getting you know pretty into it was, was take, getting takeout. Tried a lot of foods, put it that way. Uh, the Mexican food was, uh, yeah, it wasn't the taste. And I've tried a few different places. I even got the Chipotle. Chipotle is not even, not even the quality of the Chipotle you're used to in the States. So Chipotle in London? Uh, I didn't know that. Not a few of them. Yeah. But you can definitely tell the meat's, uh, not, the meat's not necessarily what I, what, what I think is up, up to par. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I love that expression. I always say it myself. It's not up to par. <laughs> um, okay. Last question. And we can wrap this up before you even before we i even blinked i realized it's freaking almost two hours of us talking that's crazy this whole podcasting really does eat up time like crazy huh um the last question that i have for you and you can i guess it could be a little bit long but it will be the final thing i'll ask you is what does immigration mean to you what does immigration mean to me um i think it's opportunity you know um and i'm trying to stick away from cliche answers but you know um it's crazy forget, all of forget, us are, the po forget the politics i think everybody always mentions politics like what's right or wrong or what should be done what shouldn't be done no no Just no, the actual no. Cons, right what and, yeah. and i know you weren't going to mention that I, I i didn't expect but I, I guess let's keep it more on like a feeling level of um yeah given that you have that background that greek background you've had the opportunity to move uh, maybe a better question would be what, what has immigration taught you immigration's taught me that you know in the right like in the right mindset and in the right like social construct you know there's opportunity for people um in a place where i think we have stigmas whether there otherwise isn't um i learned that a lot in the uk because i mean this place is full of immigrants right um i wouldn't even call my like by standard definition i don't even know if i'm an immigrant <laughs> i'm here on a visa with a with a you know company that that gives me you know a good wage to go home to and i'm, I'm appreciative of that and honestly i chose this me, but you right? are. So I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing about immigration is you just labeled you. You did, and see, it's it's strange, but it's also interesting how you are an immigrant, but you're not the typical immigrant that has to run from war or run from uh, extortion or from uh, gang violence. So 
it's almost like we attach all these labels to what immigration means, but you, and, you and are, you're, you you're, are, and you're spot on. I, I'm defining it as a way. I think that like, we're, we're kind of accustomed to, and it's probably not even right. for definition. Right. But to, to me, I, I'm thinking of the people that have like set up shop and really got to know a place better. And, and I guess I fall in that bucket, but uh, meeting immigrants around me, having my dad, you know, and, and that family, my mom's family back in the day, um, which, which I, again, I think my homework assignment is to learn a little bit more about that. Um, uh, or also like these, you know, domestic immigrants. Um, I'll make it quick, but I think in Ecuador one time I went to an immersion trip just for a week. And these technically like, uh, I wouldn't say they're immigrants by, by anything um, outside of Ecuador, but they went from one community where they were, you know, promised to build land to the government bulldozing their place down. It was 500,000 people down to zero homes the next day. And like, they had to be immigrants again. They had to go somewhere else. They had to learn some other part of the country. And it's like, on a, on a macro level, I think it's easier to digest. The more you travel across the countries, the more like we got to figure out, you know, society how to integrate each other. Um, but I think it's this constant struggle of like being comfortable in where you live and, and how you live. Um, so for me, I this 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 experience taught me a lot about being open-minded around others there's a lot of different um ideas about how the world should be run um about what's the right you know things to prioritize you know like climate change for instance i'd say i i feel like it's spoken a lot more out here than say in the states um or you know this idea of a multi-party system I, I don't know what the right answer is to any of this and maybe there is no right answer but i think if people are trying to learn and understand that's that's the first good step you know so yeah, man. Thanks for your time. And um, I hope to see you back in the States very soon. And I'm excited for you to, to be back there. And ah, I do have one regret, and that is not going. I almost went to London to see you. I almost went. We're this close. You know, I still have this a message. Close, this close. And I haven't explained it to you, but there was just a, a little bit too much confusion for me in terms of the PCR or the antigen testing and then testing two days after and then all, it was just you're not alone you're not alone in that man I right. think a little bit vague in how they described it and i think it deterred a lot of people from coming like my i was my about i really out. planned it i really planned it and then i said oh but then egypt is just a qr code so why i do want to go to london i do but it's like i go there for a week and i have to maybe spend however much money on two tests and then on the way back out maybe spend another what 80 euro i don't even know i'm oh, sorry pounds or yep. however much it is there so it really does discourage people from coming in which i mean rightfully so that's probably what they're trying to do as well yeah no ho hopefully things ease up uh for everyone right but um yeah if, if you make it back out here let me know i'll, I'll definitely give you a write-up yes absolutely man well chris thank you so much um i will be um analyzing this podcast seeing if i need to make any edits hopefully this whole conversation gets posted, but uh, like I said, uh, excited for you, and, and I, I hope to see you back in the States very soon, my friend. Sam, thanks again. Enjoy your travels, and uh, yeah, awesome, awesome job that you kicked this thing off. I'm, I'm honored to be the first. Yes, sir, man. It just, and that's how I live. I don't even know who's going to be first, who's going to be next. I feel like you were the perfect uh, first candidate. It also has to do with, like, the mood of the day. I was like, I feel like, Chris, tomorrow I could just call him up, get this thing rolling. And just, it's, I think I was putting too much thought into it. Too. I need to set this and this and this up. No, no, no. All I need to do is do exactly what we just did or have somebody in person put on a freaking tape recorder, you know, whatever, and, and, and just uh, do a conversation. It's very natural. So 
this thing is going to uh, hopefully uh, share a lot of stories. And yeah, man, yeah, hopefully one day we look back at this one and go, damn, like you were the first, man. That's crazy, right? But yeah. I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it because it's my it's my passion, man. It, it fills my soul. And it's, it's very, I was very, very captivated by the story. So thanks, man. Keep it up, man. I really appreciate it. You have a good one. All right, right my friend. Yeah. All right, brother. See ya. Bye-bye.